You are listening to the Fellowship Church of Burbank weekly sermon podcast. You can find more information about the church as well as hear more messages from Pastor Robbie Pitt at www.fellowshipchurchofburbank.com. Hey guys, my name is uh, Steve uh, Cabrios. I'm one of the pastors at Anthology Church of Studio City. Sorry, my glasses are really dirty, so I'm going to wipe these a little bit. I can't see everybody. Um, I like to see faces, but yeah, um, like Kim said, uh, yeah, I'm, we're uh, part of um, some of the church plants here uh, in, in Los Angeles, and we're just so privileged and honored to be a part of um, this church in some ways uh, with Fellowship Church of Burbank and um, how this congregation really has come on board, especially with Robbie and Kim, uh, just feel very supported, uh, very, very encouraged um, by their advice, their wisdom, um, and so, yeah, we're kind of entering into our second year. We've lived here um, for about, like, a little over a year, um, but it's been, it's been great. I'm actually from Burbank originally. Uh, I was born and raised here in Burbank. Um, went to school at Cal Poly Pomona, got my degree in philosophy. Um, I joined staff with a Christian organization called Campus Crusade for Christ, or now called Crew. Um, I was there with them for about six years. Um, part of that, I was living um, in... Oh, let me, let me back up. Um, got married. <laughs> My wife, Andrea, she's in the back. And <laughs> that's an important little note. <laughs> and uh, we both joined staff together um, with Campus Crusade for Christ. And we were at University of Arizona with DJ and Alicia there. And so we were doing uh, Christian ministry and work there uh, with crew for five years. And um, loved our time there. Loved college students. Um, loved um, just what God was doing. Um, but our hearts were always... Um, burden for the cities and for people in the city, um, and so we just felt call, God, God calling us back um, to Los Angeles, and it's been, you know, it's been great. It's been, you know, with, with church plants, we, we really had no idea what we were doing or getting ourselves into, um, and we're just trusting the Lord in faith and see what God was going to do, and so um, right now we're just meeting um, in the living room of, of DJ Alicia's home. Uh, there's about like maybe 10 of us, would you say, like 10 of us total, more or less, um, but we just get to go, and we just, really, it's a community. It's a family, um, studying God's Word together, um, participating in some of the uh, sacraments, like uh, um, the Lord's Supper um, and stuff like that, and just being able to fellowship and hang out with one another as we study God's Word. And so, in other ways, too, we're just involved in the community, um, like Relay for Life, that's trying to, uh, I know this church is part of that as well, trying to um, help research uh, for cancer. Uh, we're involved with the North Hollywood Interfaith Food Pantry. Um, that's why we're trying to provide food for homeless and people in need. Uh, we give out about probably 500 bags a month um, to people. So bags of food, canned food, and it's a great way to be a part of um, the community and serving the community. Uh, we're also involved with the rec center. I help coach soccer. Um, I've, I've never played soccer in my life, so why am I coaching soccer? Because I, I love kids, and um, it's really fun. Actually, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos and, you know, getting a lot of resources. Praise God for the internet, you know, it's a great resource. Um, get, got to coach basketball as well, so it's great ways just to be involved with families and um, people because, you know, God loves people and, and God's all about families, and so we just want to be a part of that as well. So that's, that's really our church. We're really grassroots in some ways. We're starting from the ground up, trusting God for big things. Um, but um, all along the way, it's just been great to be uh, partnered with, with this church um, and feeling supported. So, 
yeah, I just want to say thanks again. Um, and probably every time I speak, I'm just going to keep saying thank you to this church and to Robbie and Kim. Because we're, yeah, it's huge um, what they're doing for us. Um, but yeah, so we, um, we, as in this church, we've uh, uh, been going through a series in Mark, um, kind of just going through the gospel of Mark. And um, today we're going to talk about Mark 7. I'm going to share from Mark 7, uh, 1 to 23. But before I get into it, um, I want to just kind of start off with some questions, um, kind of get you guys thinking and, um, you know, about stuff that's before we um, dive into the passage. But um, answer, answer this question to yourself. What makes a person good? Um, or another way you can put it, how do you view yourself um, and the people around you? Do you view people generally as good people? Do you view them generally as bad people? Maybe morally neutral, like somewhere in the middle, um, and they kind of go, you know, one way or the other. Like, how do you generally view people? Um, you know, what makes someone good in some ways? Um, again, I'm a philosophy major, so um, you could spend courses um, and take classes and talk about just this one issue for, like, uh, a semester or a year. Um, these are things that philosophers and uh, people like to talk about. But um, it's a good question, um, because even though... Um, whether you know um, how to answer that question or not, it's, it's a question that um, really relates to us today. But what makes someone good? You know, in light of, like, where um, our world is and how we view the world, um, what makes people good? Um, I want to share a story with you. Um, this is from Tim Keller's book, uh, Jesus the King. And he actually is sharing about another story written by a guy named Franz Kafka. And the story is called The Trial. Now, I'm going to, sh- it's, it's weird. I'm going to kind of preface that. It's kind of a weird story. So I'm going to tell you, here, here's the story. It's kind of a weird story, but here's, here, here how it goes. Sorry. Um, so it start, it, it, there's this guy. His name is Joseph K. And he, Joseph K. is pretty much your standard, normal, working guy. And um, just kind of living his life normally, you know, uh, waking up in the morning, eating breakfast, going to work, coming home, you know, eating dinner, sleeping, kind of, no, same routine, every day, everything that we do on an everyday basis. Um, and then all of a sudden, he gets arrested um, and thrown in prison. And, uh, you know, for no reason at all. And he goes and he tries to figure out, he talks, goes to the judge, like, what did I do wrong? And um, no one really gives him an answer. People are pretty, um, he goes, like, gets thrown in prison, he asks the prison guard, what did I do wrong? Um, no one gives him an answer goes to the warden, what, what did I do wrong to be thrown into prison? And there's no answer from these people. Um, and so people are, as he's going through this, people are pretty harsh with him, uh, unsympathetic, um, and, and not giving him any answer why he was thrown into prison. Um, and so he goes and tries to recollect, okay, what, why did I go to prison? Like, well, maybe I did this wrong. Maybe um, I was faulted in this. You know, trying to give X, Y, or Z reasons. And he he just kept trying to think about it and think about it, and he just couldn't think of anything. And then at the end of the story, um, one of the wardens stabbed him, and he, he gets killed, and that's it. And there was no, and he still has no answer to why he was thrown in prison. Weird, right? They're like, what? What's the point? Of, there's no redeeming quality in the story. What, what's the point of this? Um, Kafka, uh, in one of his diaries, gives a comment, um, and this is what he says. He says, um, I'm trying to find it. Uh, 
uh, he gives a commentary on, on the story. And this is what he shares in one of his diaries. He says, the state in which we find ourselves today is sinful, quite independent of guilt. Um, Tim Keller kind of puts it in an easier way. He says, you know, in today's world, basically what he means is like, in, in the world we live in now, uh, where we don't believe in judgment, we don't believe in sin, and yet we still feel there's something wrong with us. You know, when you think about today, you think about, you know, who are you to judge me, right? You hear that a lot. Who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? You hear that, right? Are you, are you my, my dad? Are you my God? You can't tell me if I'm right or wrong. I can believe in whatever I want to believe in. Have you heard that before? I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, you can't be someone's judge. Who are you? Um, you know, we, we don't like to think about sin. We don't think, like to think about wrong things. Um, and yet, and here's the, this is a, a guy who doesn't believe in God. He's an atheist. And he says, and yet, internally, there is something wrong with us. Um, in the inside, we, ha- we tend to think there's something wrong with us still. When you think about, you know, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, whether you believe in some religion or not, um, you can relate with this, you know. When you think about, um, you, feel, you, you, you kind of tend to feel like there's some kind of guilt or shame or something. When you think about uh, how we, things that we do or how we work, or how we strive to, even times when we compare ourselves to somebody else. Um, sometimes we're like, oh, I'm never going to be as good as that person. Um, sometimes we, we, we tend to think we're never going to live up to someone else's standards, you know. Or have you thought about, like, you know, when we, when we disappoint people, you know, why does it bother us so much? Um, why, do we want, why do we want people to like us so much? Um, you know, where does that feeling come from? There's, there's a sense that there's something wrong inside of us. You know, where does that come from? Where does that internal sense come from? And um, Jesus, in this story, uh, in this encounter with the Pharisees, he addresses this issue, and he um, meets it head on. And so we're going to go through this story. Um, and so something we do in anthology is that we read through the passage um, together. So we're going to look, we're going to read the whole passage, and then we're just going to kind of um, go through it section by section. And so I'm going to read uh, Mark 7, verses 1 to 23. So um, I think the verses are going to be on uh, the screens here. Okay. So it's now, uh, this is from the ESV um, standard version. So this is the ESV translation. He says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, he said, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, "Well, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to, dis- to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells him, tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me, from, from me is Corbin, that is given to God. 
then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into the person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. And this is the word of God. Um, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for um, this passage. Um, God, I pray that uh, you would teach us um, your word today and this morning. Father, we pray that, yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us and lead us um, through your word and that we would hear from you. Um, God, be our teacher today and um, as you would reveal um, what do you want us to know. Yeah, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, sorry, I had to switch because there was feedback. Um, so, here we go. <laughs> All right, so yeah, it's kind of lengthy. There's a lot kind of going on here. Um, so it starts off, it says in verse 1, we're going to kind of start from the top again. Um, we're going to unpack this passage a bit. So it starts off with, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. Um, so at this point, um, from the previous chapters, Jesus has been doing a lot. Uh, his ministry involved a lot of healings. Um, he raised people from the dead. Um, he fed 5,000 people. He casted out demons. Um, so I don't know about you. If you saw that today, that would be pretty incredible. Um, and he was gaining a lot of popularity and a lot of fame. And um, people, like, in the thousands were just coming up just to even touch his garments, and people were being healed. Um, and so people were wanting to come to see Jesus. His fame and his popularity was spreading all across Israel. And so he was a really popular guy, really famous guy, not just uh, with his healings and um, his miracles, but also with his teaching. The way he taught um, were, was taught in such a way that he gave um, authority um, to the words of God, to the scriptures. And so it's something different than, you know, like, who is this guy? Um, where does his authority come from? And so people were just questioning, like, this guy is, he's different. He's, he's really different. And so um, people just came to see him. I mean, droves. I mean, just tons and tons of people were coming to see him. So, um, the Pharisees uh, wanted to see him. And they, they, they came from Jerusalem, brought some scribes with them um, to see Jesus. Um, Pharisees at the time, there they were different religious groups at the time, different religious leaders. Um, you might see that all throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees are mentioned um, in the Gospels, there's also an, another group called the Sadducees, um, and then there's also another uh, Jewish religious group called the Essenes, which you don't really see them much in here, but other um, Jewish scholars mentioned them during Jesus' time. They were also uh, a religious group, Jewish group um, at that time. Uh, but the Pharisees uh, really gained the popularity of the people. 
um, their teachings, they were very respected. Um, they were honored. Um, they were, people looked up to the Pharisees a lot. Um, and so because of that, to see another man come in who was, in a sense, speaking with authority in a way different than what they were teaching, than the Pharisees were teaching, you know, they were really upset. Uh, they, weren't, they didn't like Jesus a whole lot. Um, they were really upset with him um, for what he was doing and what he was saying. Um, so when they were gathering to, go, to meet with Jesus, they weren't there to genuinely try to touch his garments, to be healed, or to learn from him. They wanted to trap Jesus. They were there to discredit him from his authority, from his teaching, um, from his following. And so people, so the Pharisees um, were very, very upset with Jesus at the time. Um, so they weren't there um, to go, hey, Jesus, I really want to learn these things. No, they were there to be like, I want to trap you. Um, I want to, we want to discredit you. Um, and so they, they bring up a specific issue um, in regards to the cleanliness laws. Um, and so we read on from verses 2 to 4. It says, they saw that some of his disciples um, ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Um, so the Pharisees were particularly um, there to trap him in regards to the cleaning laws. Um, and these laws were established by God, specifically in the Torah, the first five books um, of the Bible or of the Jewish Jewish people um, read, um, specifically in Leviticus, you see a lot of these cleaning laws that were established. Um, if you were here last week, DJ kind of taught on that a little bit um, about what it means to be clean. Um, basically, um, if someone is has any kind of skin disease, um, like leprosy, this is basically a, a skin disease back then, um, if you had any kind of like bleeding or bodily discharge, um, or if you touched a dead animal, or if you uh, touched a dead person, or whatever, these are all considered unclean. And basically, what it means to be unclean is that you couldn't go into the temple to worship God um, in the community. So basically, you were a social reject. Uh, you, were, you were cast out from the Jewish community. Um, and so, uh, this specific situation, the Pharisees were calling out Jesus and his disciples, saying, hey, look, uh, these traditions um, that we've, over the years that, these, um, that we've had, um, says you need to wash your hands before you eat. Um, you know, and sometimes you look at this and be like, that's, that's pretty harsh. You know, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, what's, what's the big deal with that? It's, it's not as uncommon as you think it is. Um, when you think about any religion, really, you, there's a lot of things that people do to prepare um, themselves before when they worship. They go, um, people tend to, what they call a fast, is when you um, don't eat food. Um, in a way to cleanse yourself, to prepare yourself um, to worship God. Um, when you, uh, yeah, people do different, like, rituals. To pray, uh, in, in, in Islam, there's the five pillars. You know, the, when people kneel um, to the east in, in Islam, that's a way to prepare yourself to, to worship. Um, but also, when you think about it, even if, you have, if you're from a secular, um, if you don't believe in God or an atheist background or secular non-religious view. Uh, when you think about just even going out on a date with somebody, if you're on a, on a big date, or if you're going to an important meeting, uh, job interview, or whatever, uh, what do you do? You take a shower, 
you bathe, you clean, you clean yourself up, right? You clean up to prepare yourself for that meeting. It's, it's something you do to prepare for something important. That's the same thing that's happening here. They're, they're, these rituals are, are meant um, to, for the people to be clean before God. Why? Because God is holy. Um, holy means set apart. He is set apart from people. Um, he's, he's absolutely, infinitely perfect. There's nothing wrong with God. So these cleaning rituals are important. And so the Pharisees actually have a point, right? They have a point that you need to be clean um, before God. You know, and Jesus actually doesn't disagree with that. The cleaning laws are important. Jesus does not say that it's, it's not important. It's, it's how you get clean um, that he, he disagrees with them about. So, um, and actually, even Mark um, makes, you don't see Mark making much commentary all throughout the, uh, the scriptures, but he does make one here about the traditions of the elders. And another, another note, too, um, is that Pharisees tend to, when they, the way they interpret the law was very practical and very relevant for, for their needs at the time. Um, so you'll see that actually specifically later. But um, here Mark is actually making a note that all these traditions that the Pharisees have put on over the years um, were not really um, breaking any mosaic um, commands or laws. Um, they were just kind of all these rituals that the, the Pharisees kind of kept putting on, putting on, putting on, putting on, and layering and layering and layering over the years uh, to make them right before God. Um, but Jesus is, isn't, isn't disagreeing. You, you need to be clean before God. That's not, that's not the issue. Um, it's how you get clean. How do you get clean? Um, so in this situation, what does Jesus do? He, um, how does Jesus respond here? Uh, he gets, he actually gets really upset, <laughs> you know, and he, he responds, and what does he call the Pharisees? Uh, he calls the Pharisees hypocrites. Um, why? Um, and he, what he does, he actually uses old, their Old Testament prophet Isaiah and, the, and a command from one of the Ten Commandments um, to call out their hypocrisy. And so we look at here, he says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their, feet, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. I mean, he is just in their face. I mean, this scene is awkward. I mean, it's like tense. Jesus is calling the, the Pharisees out in public before everybody Hey, you are a hypocrite. You um, do all these rituals. You honor me with your lips. You say all the right things, and yet your heart is far from me. Your heart is far from God. He, he directly gets into their face. You don't see this much, but he does this with the Pharisees a lot. He gets right in their face, and he calls them out, and he says, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. What are you, what are you doing? You're, you're completely missing the point. Um, of these laws and the commands. And he doesn't just stop there. He actually quotes a command. When the command he quotes from um, is from honoring your father and mother. Um, it's, a, it's a command that God gives. Um, and he, he talks about um, 
He says in verse 11, but if you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you have gained from me is Corbin. Um, that's a Jewish tradition, um, basically meaning um, given directly to God. Um, the command to honor your father and mother um, is more than just respecting them and being nice to them and listening to what they say. Um, in that time, uh, when your parents get old, uh, you were called to take care of them. Not just personally, but also finan- not just financially, like giving them money, but also personally as well. And so this Corbin tradition actually means uh, what the people did back then was that they would give money to the temple and say, okay, I'm going to let the temple and other people take care of my parents. So they just kind of hand it off. It's kind of like sending your parents to home care or something. Nothing against that, but I'm just saying it's, it's I'm kind of giving an analogy. Like, I'm not going to take care of them. Um, God says, no, you need to take care of your parents. That is... The, the Pharisees and the Jewish people um, didn't, like, they all understood the importance of this command. But how they understood it and the heart behind it um, called for something greater. Your, Jewish people were called to something bigger, more than just these rituals. And, and Jesus was calling them directly and said, actually, um, what you're doing is worse than what my disciples are doing. Um, you're actually not following the command to honor your father and mother. Um, you're, you're giving it, you're, give, you're handing them off. Your tradition, your, your rituals, your understanding of the law is completely off. It's completely off. You're completely missing it. Um, why? Because when you look at why has God established the law and the commandments, uh, it's mainly to worship God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything your fullness of yourself. These laws and these commands were not just so that you would just be a good person. It's, it's to honor and glorify God. It's to worship him for who he really is. And the Pharisees use these rituals, use these traditions um, to make themselves look good to um, what, they felt that was, what they felt was right. But what, honestly, they were really missing the point of worship. Um, they were missing that. It's, it's all centered on who God is and worshiping him, and knowing him, and having a relationship with him. And the Pharisees were about, nope, I want to look good. Um, I want to look good. I'm just going to follow these laws, because that's what's going to make me right before God. Um, these rituals, um, and these, and their understanding of the law. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Um, they were hypocrites, you know? I, I want to point out, too, is that the law is, you know, it's a, it's a good thing, um, Jesus, I mean, laws are meant to be for our good. You know, when you, when you think about even something as simple as a, a traffic light, you know, the law says when there's a red light, you stop, right? And you don't drive right through it. If you drive right through it, uh, you're breaking the law. Uh, why is that there for you? It's for the safety for you and for the people. Because if you run right through it, you could hit somebody. You know, it's, it's, meant, it's meant to be for good. Like, laws are meant to be good. God established these laws for our good. Um, when they become ultimate and you make them used to fix you and to make you think that's going to make you right before God, um, there's something wrong there. Um, then you become about the law. You become about doing the right thing um, to be right before God. And so um, I love it. It's, it's super tense in this situation. It's, he's calling um, the Pharisees out um, in this public setting um, before all the people. And it gets um, even more, the tension continues to rise as we read in verse 14. And he, and he says, he turns to the crowd 
And he goes, um, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, but the thing that comes out of a person are what defile him. And so he, uh, Jesus, you'll notice, he'll use parables a lot. He kind of talks in parable-like form. Um, it's, it's kind of like he's, he, is, he kind of talks in like principle or like in a story. Uh, but here he, um, he shares in, the, in a parable-like form. And um, he doesn't do it just to confuse you. Uh, he does it because uh, really to help you understand the deeper meaning of what's going on um, in people's hearts. And he wants people to pursue him um, and to have faith in him and to know who he really is. And so he um, doesn't do it just to confuse you. It's, it's meant to um, kind of help you to pursue what, what's going on deeper. Um, one thing I want to know, too, is that uh, have you noticed in ver- there's, a, there's a verse 15 and then jumps into verse 17? Uh, it's kind of a side note, uh, but 16 is omitted. Some translations uh, tend to, um, not 10, but some translations don't include verse 16. Uh, the same, verse 16 is actually saying, um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, he, he, he does quote that in Mark 4 with the parable of the sower. Uh, and so um, the short answer here, I'm not going to go into it, but the short answer here is because um, it may or may not be in the original manuscripts um, of the scripture. Again, it doesn't take away the authority of scripture um, or the, even the point of the story, uh, but it's just not, this is not mentioned. And it'd be weird for me to kind of keep going and you guys notice, wait, where's 16? <laughs> you know, like, where did 16 go? You know, it's right there. It, it's kind of, um, some translate, the ESV um, excludes it, but I know in the, NA, uh, the New American, ESV, English Standard Version, but the New American Standard Bible has it. Um, so if you want a more deeper explanation, uh, I'm going to re- refer to Scott, because he's our expert <laughs> theologian. Uh, but you could also look it up as well. But, yeah, there's, there's um, if you have more questions on that, you could talk, talk to me or even talk to Scott later. But, um, but here, yeah, he, Jesus tends to uh, speak in parable-like form. And he does this with the crowd a lot. In general, he just does that. He just, um, like in the parable of the sower, he, he shares in the story. Here, he's like, if you have ears, if you really want to understand, here you go. Um, if you really want to know me and, and understand what I'm trying to say, and he shares this verse. Um, and so it goes on after he leaves the crowd. He, Mark moves into the next scene, and he says, And when he entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whoever go, goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Um, you know, as, as Jesus leaves the public area, now he's in, in a private setting with his disciples, um, you know, and now it's just him and his disciples just hanging out um, in the house. Um, and the disciples, uh, his closest followers, uh, the people that's been with him, you know, eat with him, walk with him, hang with him, listen to his teachings every day for, for years and years and years, uh, were like, what are you talking about, Jesus? What are you trying to, what is this, what is this saying? What do you mean um, that there's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person and what defile him? Like, what are you talking about? And he's, they're, they're just as confused. They just, they don't understand as well. And they're like, what? You know, like, what? I mean, 
if I was disciple too, and I was sitting there, I'd be like, what? I, I read that too. I was like, what are you, are you saying? Um, and Jesus responds and said, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whoever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Says and enters his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. Jesus gets very um, specific. He, he gets actually very, very practical. And he, basically he's saying, you know, when you eat food, it doesn't go through your heart. Where do you, when you eat food, where does it go? It goes right to your stomach. And where does that go? You poop it out. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's, he's, Jesus is being funny. He's like, like, he's funny, but he's also making a point. It's like, do you really not get it? Like, disciples, do you really not see? I mean, you're with me all the time. You, you saw me, like, cast out demons. You've seen so much. You've seen so much of my teachings, and yet, are you, are you guys really not, you're not, you're missing it too? Are you, are you hard? Are your hearts that hard? Um, it's like, and he goes, let me, let me speak it plainly to you. Let me speak it just, when you eat food, it goes to your stomach, and it, you go to the toilet. Like, you know, that's, that's what happens with food. It, that doesn't make you unclean. It's not what's from the outside that makes you unclean. Food does not make you unclean. What you eat doesn't make you unclean. It, it, gets, it gets taken. And he goes into something super profound. I mean, he gets, I mean this gets right at the heart of what, we were, we, what we've been talking about this morning. He says, um, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. It's not what comes in, but what comes out. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. What makes a person unclean is not what you do on the outside. It's not what you eat. Um, it's not all the good things that you do or the bad things that you do. It's from within. I mean, Jesus makes this profound, profound statement. Profound statement. It's, it's the inside. The, uh, the scriptures, uh, when they talk about the heart, um, it talks about the fullness of who you are as a person. Not just uh, your feelings, but your, your, your whole identity, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your being, it's, uh, the heart is the whole person of who you are. And Jesus, the, the, that whole person on the inside, um, your heart actually is what defiles you, actually is what makes you unclean before a holy God. Uh, that, guys, is what the Bible calls sin. Um, sin, um, you might have heard before, is, is missing the mark. Um, you know, it's an archery term. It's when you, you can't like, hit the bullseye. It's true. Don't get me wrong. That's true. We all miss it. We, we don't always do the right things. But here Jesus gets to uh, really at the core of like, why is the world evil? Why, do, why are there so many shootings going on in our country? Um, in, L, in LAX a couple days ago, why was someone just pulling a gun out in, a, in the terminal? Um, you know, we, we heard a story of a student um, that was in crew that went on a summer mission trip, loved Jesus. Um, she was riding her bike, um, and she got hit by a car and died. Why does that happen? Why does evil exist? It, you know, it's, you look at 
all this stuff. Why do we live in uh, the largest uh, industry of pornography is in our backyard? Why does that exist? I'm, 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 it, 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 you could go, well, it, it's them. It's them. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't go. It's not them, them, them. It's you. It's me. What, what defiles a person is on the inside. It's, it's within us. The problem of what, why so much evil goes on is, is me. That's, that's not a very popular topic, huh? I mean, Jesus isn't about saying the things that are easy. Um, but he says the things that you need to hear. Um, he, you need to hear that at the heart, um, of, of at the core of, of us on the inside, what makes us, um, uh, it's not what's good, but actually it's, it's wicked. And it, it's evil. It defiles us. It's unclean. God is holy. God is pure. God is completely perfect. And we're not. Um, you may not be like, oh, I don't do sexual morality. I'm sure you may have some. Jesus goes has some thoughts about it. I'm sure uh, you may not think you're prideful, but let's be honest. Even when you say, oh, I'm not prideful, that statement in and of itself is a prideful statement. You know, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's true. You know, you're like, oh, well, I'm the, I'm the most humble person in the world. Like, that's a prideful statement. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, like, you struggle with pride. Um, you struggle trying to, to, to prove yourself to other people. Like, Jesus gets to the core with the Pharisees, and he's saying, hey, it's not these rituals and your traditions and your, and your understanding of the law to try to be right with God on the outside. It's on the inside, guys. That is your problem. Disciples, your, you, you, your problem is on the inside. It's on the inside. Um, the, I, uh, oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, Jesus gets right to the core um, of our problem. At the root of our problem in our hearts and our whole being is, is that we are unclean. We um, are impure before God. Our hearts um, are unclean. Um, and it plays out in so many different ways. We see it in our world. For the Pharisees, that's what was true by trying to do all the right things. Um, you know, I was, I was actually thinking about this too, even last week when DJ even brought it up about the shootings and, and, and Sandy Hook, I was actually watching when, when the event happened. I was, I was listening actually to a reporter share about um, the problem, like why is this happening so much, like the occurrences, it's, it seems to be more and more frequent. Um, I have a soccer mom talking about their schools, like trying to put up um, maybe metal detectors in their school to kind of help, you know, not have guns. I mean, she's, she's legitimately scared um, about what's going on. Um, and it, you, you should be. It's it's a problem. Um, and uh, this this reporter was kind of talking, and I don't know if he was like, I don't know, it's just a reporter, and he, he basically says, like, you know, we could have all these laws. We could um, put up all the, set up all these laws to kind of help regulate, all these systems to help regulate the problem. But really, um, it's something that, the problem is actually something deeper. Um, there's, there's, there's something deeper um, going on than just fixing it on the outside. I mean, he literally used those words. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, this is, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know if he actually is a Christian or not. But in public television, on the news, was saying that it's, we can't set up these systems. 
You can't set up, you know, even in our governments. I mean, yes, they're good, and we should follow these rules, but they'll, they'll never, ever fix what's going on in the inside. And Jesus gets right to the core of that. He says, like, yeah, it won't work. Like, laws are good. We need to follow the laws. Laws are meant to be followed and to be good. But the, here's the reality. It won't clean you, you know? Like I said earlier, you, you'll still feel this sense of being unclean. Um, it won't fix you. It won't fix your problems. It won't fix really at the heart of what's going on. When I'm, um, you know, we, we, we see it every day. We, we, we try to compare ourselves by trying to be good parents or try to be a good, for me to be a good husband or in our jobs, trying to please our coworkers or our bosses. We compare ourselves all the time to, to, to live up to the standard of being good enough. And yet you're like, man, I'm just not good enough. I mean, you, you might feel that way, right? Like, it's just this sense of, like, because no matter how hard you try, um, no matter how hard you work, those things won't ever make you clean. Um, if you follow another religion, um, you know, if you, you know, do all what the religion says, it won't make you right before God. Religion, um, this is from Tim, Tim Keller, he says, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. Um, if I obey and do all the right things, even if you don't believe in God, um, if I'm as obedient and I do all the right things, um, then God is God accepts me. And even if you don't believe in God, then you're probably your own God, then I'm accepted. If I just do all the right things and do all the good things, then I'm accepted by God. That is what, that is the mantra of, of, of people today in our culture. If you work hard enough, if you do all the right things, um, then you are good. And Jesus goes, and he just flips it around. He says, nope, that's not the truth. You, at the heart, um, and the problem of what's going on um, is your heart is unclean. And you'll never, you can never work your way or do all the good things to make you clean again. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, this, Jesus just does this, says these things. He's like, I'm like, man, it's crazy. You know, because at the root of our problem is sin. The root of our problem is we, we worship something. Um, we think something else is better than God, that could satisfy us more than God, um, that could make us more happy than God. We do that. We do that all the time. I do that. You know, I'm a, you know, even though I stand here and I say I'm a pastor, I, I struggle with that. Even in, in Christian ministry, trying to be like, I got to have a squeaky clean record. I got to look like I have it all together, you know, because if I do that, then people will accept me. I mean, that goes through my mind, guys. Like, that's, that is, it's a battle that even I fight today. I'm not immune to it. Um, Outside in, the outside works, everything. Jesus saying, outside cleaning will never clean the problem in your heart. And so, what's, what's interesting about this passage is that um, Jesus never really says, well, well, what does make a person clean? Um, in this passage, um, you don't see it. Uh, and if, if I ended there, then it would be a very depressing sermon. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, because God is a God of hope and of love. Um, and the, the way, the only way you can be clean is from the inside. Um, And inside cleaning can only happen through the gospel. Um, Because um, when we look at 
basically, when we look to the cross, uh, Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on. You um, can't fix yourself, so I'm going to do it for you. You can't clean yourself, so I'm going to do it for you. Um, you'll notice in verse 19, he says, he declares all food clean. Um, Jesus is the one who gives the authority to make things clean. Um, you know, the same Jesus who was, um, who healed the woman from her bleeding, who raised a child from the dead, who can calm the storms, um, he could feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, you know, who created the world, who created humanity and everything in it. That's the same Jesus and authority um, that can declare all foods clean. Um, he was there when he established that law, those cleaning laws. He was there. I mean, he's God. And so he established that. And he, he, he can fulfill. He, he's not there to take it away from you. Remember, the law is good. The law is good for us. And so what does he do? He's not there to erase it. In, in Matthew's gospel, he says, I didn't come to abolish the law, to erase it, but to what? To fulfill it. And how does he fulfill it fully? Is that if you look forward into the story, he does it on the cross. I don't know I've said that before. But he completely fulfills it on the cross. You can be clean because when you look to the cross and put your faith in what Jesus has done and the work that he has done on the cross, um, you'll be clean before a holy and righteous God. Where does that come from? When you look back in the Old Testament, um, uh, the, there's, a, there's, a, day of atone, there's a, a high holiday called the Day of Atonement. Um, it's Yom, Yom Kippur. Yeah, so it's the Day of Atonement. It's one day every year where a high priest is chosen to represent all of Israel to take on to offer a sacrifice for a whole nation um, of people. And so um, it's, it's a long process. I wish I had more time, but it's a long process of preparing to be holy and clean. And um, what this and high priest does during the day of atonement, he's, he wears, he's clean, he, he cleanses himself, he, take, he bathes himself, he's completely clean. He, only, he eats only clean food that's deemed um, clean by God and his, and his laws. Um, and he wears his white robe, and he takes this, this sacrifice, and he goes into the temple. Now, there's different layers of temple, but at the center of the temple is called the Holy of Holies, and that's where God is. And, not, and you can't, no one, not anybody can walk in there um, because not everyone is pure and holy and clean because if you walk in there, uh, you will die. And so there's, there is a lot of preparation. Um, it's, it's a scary thing to go into the presence of God because he is absolutely holy. And so there's a huge preparation um, for this priest to go in. And he's, he does, goes completely clean as he could. And he, he goes in and offers a sacrifice um, to God for, uh, for, the, for the priest. And he comes out, um, cleans himself up again, bathes himself, um, puts on new white robes, and does another sacrifice. Now, when he does that, it's actually done in public. So he's, he's in front of a whole <laughs> nation of people bathing. There's a, there's a sheet in front of him, so he's not, you know, you don't see him naked. But he, the people, all the people can see what this priest is doing, um, offering the sacrifice to God. It's, it's done in public, and this is, is done for the nation of Israel. This, this sacrifice is done to atone for the sins for the people of Israel. And so um, there's this verse, vision, in Zechariah 3, where he mentions um, Joshua, a high priest, 
um, was chosen to give um, a sacrifice to, to enter into the Holy of Holies. And in there, there's this verse in 3 and 4. I won't read it, but basically, um, he's not wearing robes. He's actually wearing robes that are actually defiled. So if you're a person in Israel, because it's done in public, people are going, uh, you're not supposed to go in. You will die. Like, you can't go in. This isn't, you can't do that. Um, you're not allowed to go in there. Um, and what is, and what does God do? He, he says, no, I'll, I will make you clean. Um, I will, I will take off those robes and I will purify you. Um, and then in verses eight to nine, he says, I'm going to send a servant, um, a branch, and, and I'm going to achieve this done in one day. And so this is all said in a vision to Zechariah about, um, this high priest. And actually it's a foreshadow to Jesus fulfilling that. And that, that's where it comes from. This, this sense of these sacrifices that was done before um, was done every year. But now Jesus completely fulfills that on the cross. And he says, I can make you clean. Um, I, can, I can wash you clean. Um, you know, um, there's songs written about that. that. That's where it comes from. This, his blood can cleanse us um, and cleans us. Um, that's what, and it's done completely, past, present, and future. Um, I'm going to close with this story, and I think some of you might have heard it before, but there was a student, when I was working with uh, students back at University of Arizona, there was a student, I won't uh, mention his name, but he, uh, I was meeting with him, and I was going over the gospel, and I was talking about uh, this story that I kind of shared with you. And he, at one point, I was talking about forgiveness, and God can completely forgive you for all the wrongs that you've done. And, uh, and he just looked, he just looked, He's like, no. He, he kind of had like a disbelief in his, disbelief look in his face. He's like, I, I don't think so. And I was like, I was like, you know, why? Like, I, so I asked him, like, why, why are you looking at me like that? And he, he, he goes, okay, come. He tells me to lean closer because he wanted to whisper something to him, to me. And he shared, he said, Steve, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, um, uh, I, I was dating a girl um, back in the summer you know, and we, you know, they slept with each other, um, and she was pregnant, and he said, because, uh, he wanted to be a doctor, and he really want, they both wanted to pursue their degrees, they felt like keeping this child, um, would prevent them from doing that, so they, they ended up having an abortion, and he, and he looked at me, he said, how can God forgive me for that? And I, you know, and I should, it's, it still brings, it chokes me up because um, it's hard. You know, God, God hates abortion. I, I agree with him. You know, he's not for that in any way. He doesn't, he's, he's not for that. Um, but this is what I told him. I said, look, he can forgive you. And he, and he did forgive you. Because what it required was for him to die on the cross for you. To make you clean. Like, there's no sin that you can do. There's no, there's nothing you could do um, to make you right before God. There's no sin that you can commit that, that God doesn't know of that's going to, where he's going to say, oh, I don't want to, he's going to turn his face away. He goes, no, he, he goes towards you and approaches you. And he does that through his son, Jesus. And, um, you know, I shared this story with a student and, um, you know, I, I, I mean, 
yeah, it was a crazy moment, but it's true. There's no sin. I want you guys to hear, whether you're, you're a follower of Christ uh, or not, whether you've been to church for 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, and you've heard the story over and over and over again, it does, and you're like, man, what's new? It doesn't get old, guys, because it will always be true for you. The, the truth is that um, Jesus died for you to completely fulfill the law. Um, you can't do it on your own. You can't be righteous before God on your own. No matter what, how hard you try, how hard you work, um, you will always, will never live up to the standard of who God is. Instead, God comes down to us and heals us and saves us and frees us by, by dying on the cross for us. And what's amazing is that it didn't end there, but he, he rose again to give us hope, to give us life, to live with him, to know him. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's, it's a beautiful message of grace and love and acceptance. It's more than just a standard of rules and doing all the right things. If you think, and you stay here and say, being Christian is me going to church and praying every day and reading my Bible, um, man, you're only scratching the surface. If you, but if you really get into it and go, no, it's a community of people who see that Jesus rescued them and loved them and saved them. It's a community of people that put their faith and trust in that and live their life according to that, that is, that, is, that is Christianity in its essence. That is where the church can really thrive, and people would see the hope that is in you. Um, that, is, that is the beauty of the gospel. That is why we tell people what, what we believe in. This is a message that everyone needs to hear, because they can't save themselves. They can't rescue themselves. As we can see, everyone struggles with something inside them that says, I need to be free. I'm, I can't shake this feeling of guilt. I can't fix myself. And God says, I know, I know, I'm going to do it for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why it's, it's an amazing, beautiful picture. And, and if you're a follower of Christ, we're called to that. We're called to that. Um, Robbie always tells me that the meat is on the street. You know, the people, it's beyond these four walls. People need to hear this message. When you go to work, if you're a follower of Christ, and you go to work, people need to hear this. And how, and how you do your job, people need to hear this message. Um, it's truth. It's, it's a beautiful picture. And, it, it, and, and all of it is meant to um, lead to worship. You know, why are we sing songs about it? It's because it's a, it's a beautiful picture of what God has done. These are not just mere things that we just do because that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's a, it's a celebration. Song and music is a celebration of what God. It's a way that we ex- express ourselves um, towards God. Um, and I love I get to do that with the worship team here on Sundays with Nate. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I'm just going to pray. I don't even know how to close this, but I'm just going to pray. Um, and the worship team is going to come up. And, yeah. Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for this. Uh, I thank you so much for this, this passage. Um, I thank you so much um, for the gift of the gospel. Um, the beautiful picture um, that you painted through um, your words here, Lord, that you didn't just leave us broken in our sin um, and our defilement, Lord, but that you you provided a way out by your grace and your love. I pray now, Lord, as we as we sing now, I pray, God, that you would you be the one, Spirit, you be the one speaking to us, um, Lord. As we live out this week, I pray that your your gospel and your truth would be speaking to our hearts. That we would dive into deeper of 
of who we are in light of you and our identity in you. And so I pray this in your name. Amen.